Okay, well done. Good work. You can make your way back to your seat. Don't sit down unless you just want to stand up again. But make your, your way back to your seats. Thanks for being kind and pleasant to one another. Okay. Um, stand up with me. <laughs> I said that part, remember? Don't sit down. <clears throat> this morning, um, we're going to be looking at Psalm 19. And a lot of Psalm 19 will be very familiar to you, uh, different parts and then the closing prayer. I'm going to go a different direction with Psalm 19. This morning, we're going to start in heaven and we're going to end up in your innermost being. Okay? But before we do that, I want to read Psalm 19 together responsively. If, if you didn't come from a, 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 that kind of a church background, I'll explain responsively. I'll say a line and then you'll say a line. And I even made it easy for you. You'll see that your lines are in bold. Can you kind of tell that? Okay? So I'm going to say the not bold lines and you're going to say the bold lines. And when we get to the end, the prayer at the end, verse 14, we'll, we'll proclaim it loudly and boldly together. Okay? So you can look to your screens and we'll... Um, this is the word of God to us this morning. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. Day after day, they continue to speak. They speak without a sound or word. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The instructions of the Lord are perfect. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. The commandments of the Lord are right. The commands of the Lord are clear. Reverence for the Lord is pure. The laws of the Lord are true. They are more desirable than gold. They are a warning to your servant. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. And altogether, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> I, uh, on your way in, you may have gotten a little orange piece of paper, orange gold piece of paper. Um, you can refer to that. I'm not giving you that so much so you can read it instead of listening to me, but more so for your reference as you go out, because on it, I think I have some important things to say. <clears throat> so um, I'm going to ask you to track with me this morning. Um, I, need, I need your attention. <laughs> Just having fun with a friend back there. <clears throat> there are, uh, like, first thing you learn in seminary, when you go to graduate school for theology, one of the first things you learn is there are two types of revelation. There's uh, natural revelation and there's special revelation. Natural revelation we see in the first six verses of Psalm 19. The heavens are declaring the glory of God, right? So 
you go into other places in the Bible in Romans, you see that people know there is a God and they know what he's like because they look at the earth. Creation cries out. Natural revelation is the creation proclaiming the goodness and the glory of God. Make sense? That's natural. Then there's special revelation. And special revelation, it's really easy to say, but it's harder to explain. Special revelation is that revelation that comes with words. That revelation that comes through the Holy Scriptures. This word of God preserved for us through the centuries, given to us to inform us, to inspire us, to teach us, to train us, to be righteous children of God. Special revelation is the word of God and it's the words of God through people. We had special revelation this morning through Heather. This word about God's love being irrevocable. That's not the Bible. We don't put that revelation on par with the Bible, but it's still special. It was communicated from God through a person to people with words, right? So we have natural revelation and we have special revelation. If you look through Psalm 19, you see that both these types of revelation, they have purpose, right? What's the purpose of God's revelation? It's to reveal God. Not that complicated, right? God has ordained that creation, everything he made that we see and experience, and his words, his, his written words, his words through the prophets, his words to his people, that those reveal who God is. They declare the goodness and the glory of God. People are presented with God through creation and through words. Does that make sense? God speaks sometimes with words and sometimes without. So Psalm 19, you look through the passage, you can turn to it if you have a Bible. Um, We'll go through it a little bit more later on. Literally, the scripture says that the heavens with no words, so what the heavens do with no words, they proclaim the glory of God. So you look up into the heavens... You look at a Indiana um, sunset, even in the little you know subdivision where every house looks the same and the tall the trees aren't as tall as I am. You look at an Indiana sunset and it's the glory of God, God displayed. It is. It's it's awesome. The heavens display God's craftsmanship. You look at the heavens, you say God is amazing. He can create anything. You ever watch like the Nature Channel and you go unbelievable, unbelievable. The Bible says there's no message, I mean, there's no words, there are no sounds to this creation, and yet their message goes throughout the whole earth. No sound, no words, but the message is crystal clear to every single person with eyes to see that God is there. Their silent, wordless speech is announced to all the world. It's why you can talk to uh, any person of any faith or any person of no faith And you can look at them, and I mean this kindly, I know people have intellectual issues, but you can look at them kindly and look up at the sky or a mountain or the Grand Canyon or a baby and say, no God? Really? (laughs) This is an accident? This just happened? That's the creation speaking forth the fact that God is and what God's like. So later, the next five or six verses, the psalmist, David in this case, He says this law, this word of God with words is even more personally God presented to the world. Even more personally. The word of God comes and what does it do? It revives the soul. 
doesn't just make you go, wow, it makes you go, oh. Brings life to your soul, brings joy to your spirit, the scripture says. Brings insight for living to the simple. Brings clarity or instruction to the person who's seeking after righteousness. That's what the word of God does. If you look, uh, it says that this word is perfect to revive the soul. It's trustworthy to make wise the simple. It's right to give joy to the heart. Clear to give light to the eyes. True and fair, clear for all to see. And this word of God is precious and sweet, incredibly valuable to those who keep it. So I could launch into a big message about the word of God. And I love the word of God, the Bible, but that's not what this message is about. This message is about revelation. Specifically, the way God has chosen to reveal himself through you to the world. So look at the flow of the psalm in Psalm 19. Those first five or six verses, this is creation declaring who God is. His goodness, his glory, his ability to create. And then the next verses are God's word with words, speaking forth and presenting God to people in a way that has impact on them. And then verses 12 and 13, David turns inward. We all do that sometimes, right? David turns inward. He's like, oh, God, your creation. Oh, God, your word. It's revealing who you are. It's having impact on the world. And then he looks in. He says, what about me? Uh Uh-oh. Maybe there are hidden faults here. How could I even know? This is what what David says. How could I even know the sin that's lurking, lurking in my own heart? And it's as if David, I think, is realizing God's proclaiming through creation and through his word all about himself to the world. And David realizes, I am God's creation. I am God's word spoken out into the world. Small w quotes, okay? I am the word of God spoken forth. What about me? What kind of vessel am I? I don't think he's condemning himself. He's inviting God into the depths of his heart. And he's saying, God, I see you there and I see you here. I just want the world to see you right here. In, in my mind, in my, my thoughts, in my words, in, in what I do. <clears throat> my son Johnny went off to college and learned stuff. Johnny was back last weekend and we were going off to, the, huh? And he's here right now. Hi, Johnny. And uh, we're going off to the gym to work out. I do that once a, once a year, no matter whether I need it or not. And um, Johnny comes out, and he's got all this IU wear on. You know, it's, he's like Christmas, red, red all over the place, you know. And he looks at me and says, you know, I've got to wrap my hood wherever I go. I said, what? I said, I've got to wrap my hood wherever I go. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. Tongues are supposed to be interpreted to have encouragement, you know. I, I literally, I, I don't live there, okay? I don't know. I have to represent my neighborhood. Wherever I go, I'm a declaration of where I am and who I belong to. My people, right? I've got to rip my hood wherever I go. I'm working on it, okay? <laughs> the point is this. We represent God to the world. We represent God to the world. And through the creation, God's speaking. I'm here. I'm here. I'm good. I'm awesome. I'm glorious. I'm a great craftsman. I love. 
And through his word, he's saying, look, this word is pure. It'll bring righteousness. It'll bring wisdom. It'll bring joy. It'll revive a dead soul. But we are the creation of God, and we are the word of God spoken forth. So the question for us as people is, how are we representing God in the world? Now, anyone who's going down right now a condemning uh, track in your mind, just stop. That's not the point. Remember the ending prayer. God, by your power, that's in parentheses, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock, the one who is my strength and security, and my redeemer, the one who can make anything good. So creation without words is presenting God and scripture with clarity is bringing God to people and we represent God. We represent God to every person we encounter in every place that we go. What each one of us says matters. Your words are powerful. Remember that. As you walk into your Thanksgiving dinner with all of those people that you will gather with, some are thrilled about that. Some are in fear and trepidation, right? What you say matters. The words that come from your mouth, they matter. Your actions, your life speaks wherever you go. Understand that each action that you take is preceded by thoughts. Do you sometimes say, but I didn't mean to do it. It just came out. Everybody in a conversation, uh, what do they call it? Um, Heated fellowship. (laughs) Been in a conversation with someone and all of a sudden something comes out of your mouth. And you even know as the veins are popping out of your, you know, places, you know, I shouldn't have done that. As it's coming out, you're wishing you could get it back. Right? You know what that, does anyone not feel, know what that's like? We're all there, right? And you think to yourself, where did that come from? And when you finally come to your senses, you say, I'm so sorry. I don't know where that came from. I didn't mean it. I know where it came from. It came from the rehearsal of your heart. No words spoken, no action taken are just in a vacuum. There's no such thing as reflex that hasn't been considered in some way, right? Uh, Athletes train their reflexes so their choices are automatic. They're still choices. So what you rehearse in your heart, the words that you say in your mind about yourself, about the ones you love, about your enemies, about God. Those are all rehearsed. And, and what David is saying is, God, I want the rehearsals of my heart to be pleasing to you so that when I speak with my mouth, it'll revive souls. It'll bring wisdom to the simple. It will bring joy to the heart. It will give someone out there who's longing for direction some insight for living. Don't underestimate the formative power of your thought. I just like that sentence. So I'm going to say it again. (laughs) Don't underestimate the formative power of your thought. Don't ever think that a a thought is just fleeting. A a track you go down now and again or every day is, is not powerful. It is. You're building grooves into your brain and eventually those thoughts will come out in actions or words that you wish you could take back like toothpaste out of a tube, you try to get it back in, doesn't work, right? Same way with words. 
Okay, little distinction here. We're not God's marketing agents. Okay, so I don't want you to be sitting there like, oh my gosh, I've got a huge responsibility. <laughs> Everyone in the world is looking for God and they're looking at me to make him known. We're not God's marketing agents. We don't need to make God look good. He's good all on his own. We don't need to you know, do special sales, you know, God for half price today, or give freebies to get people to come in so they'll see God and really want him. We don't, God, God doesn't need marketing agents. Do you know why? He has creation and he has words. You are God's creation. And you are God's words. You don't have to make them up. You don't have to put it on. You are it. The question is, will we align ourselves with the way... What the world? Hi. Will, will we align ourselves with the way that God thinks about our thoughts and God works in our lives? Will we walk out in the world as God's creation, as God's words spoken? Psalm 139, 13 to 16. I'm going to read this over you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderful, wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. The Lord saw you before you were born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. You are God's creation. And the glory of being God's creation is that in your life, yes, your life, you get to represent God everywhere you go. You show some unique aspect of God that nobody else can. It's astounding that God has given us that privilege to bear his image into the world. Ephesians 1.4 Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Even before God made the world, he loved us and he chose us to be holy. That means set apart and blameless. That means blameless in his sight, to walk as holy people, as his special people. The word chose there, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I read Greek scholars, okay? So it doesn't come from me. It's from a smarter guy than me. The word uh, to choose in New Testament Greek, it comes from two words, ek, which means out of or forth, and lego, means to say. Ek lego, to choose. It essentially, in, in its rawest form, could be understood as to speak forth. Remember that awful situation in junior high when they said, okay, we're going to pick teams? And you're just longing for someone to speak you forth, right? Because you always got spoken forth last, right? But isn't that what you do when you choose someone? You say, come forth. I choose you. I speak you into a special place. Before you were created, God spoke you forth. He chose you to be holy and blameless. He looked at this person who couldn't yet be seen and he said, this one's going to be holy and blameless and this one is you. God didn't make a mistake. 
He formed you. He chose you. He spoke you forth like a word into the world. The, the smart guy I'm talking about is Robert Mulholland. He's got a bunch of books. This one's great, Shaped by the Word. Let me tell you what he says about this fact that we're spoken into the world as a word from God. Now our word, this word with a small w that God is breathing forth, is to be incarnate in us. Our physical life, our psychological, mental, emotional life, our whole created being is the vehicle for the expression of that word God speaks us forth to be in the lives of others. We are created to be incarnate words of God. In all that we are and in all that we do with one another in the world, God is seeking to bring to full expression that word God is speaking us forth to be. You're not Jesus, I'm not saying that. You're not the scripture incarnate. You are a special word from God spoken. And in your life, He's chosen to show his glory in your creation and in the words that you say, in the things that happen in your mind, in the life that you live out. We represent God everywhere we go. I mean, what a great privilege we have. Creation presents God without words. Scripture and prophecies present God with words. We represent God spoken and unspoken. some questions for you to consider this week, not just before the Thanksgiving meal, but for your life. As God's creation, what, what are you displaying? What, what does the world see about God when they look at you? Not just, how can I fix myself to look better? That's not the question. What special element of God's character is revealed in the word that he's spoken forth in me? How do I display his splendor? As God's word spoken forth, what is it that you're declaring with your life? If you could characterize all the words that will be said over the next couple of holidays out of your mouth, what would the message be in a sentence? What's the message going forth to your family, to, to your loved ones, to your neighbors? Just think about it. As the innermost being where God's Holy Spirit dwells, what's going on in your heart? What are you rehearsing? And so before you act, does, does this word proclaim God's goodness and glory? Does this word, spoken or unspoken, bring joy to the heart? Revive the soul. Inspire the simple. That means not so wise. To have insight for living. I'm really looking forward to Thanksgiving. We've got lots of traditions in my family. We'll go to Pennsylvania. There'll be snow. Don't be mad at me, but we'll shoot birds and eat them. You know, it's, it's really fun. Um, it was not always fun in my family. When I was growing up, uh, at about 14, it was under, determined that my sister was schizophrenic. And I don't know if you've ever lived around schizophrenia. You've seen it or experienced it. It's, it's wild. It's unpredictable. And so things like Thanksgiving and Christmas when everyone was gathered and everything was supposed to be perfect was really scary in my household because you never knew what my sister was going to do. You had no idea which end of the spectrum she'd be on, who she'd be talking to, who she'd be talking as, if she would choose to live or try to take her life that holiday. 
You just never knew what was going to happen. And so Thanksgiving became an anxious time. Like, okay, you know, how can we manage this? What can we do? Something awful is going to happen. I don't want it to be awful. You're walking into an encounter with people this week. Many people. Some are tricky like that. Some are hard. I'm reminding you of this. You represent God. You carry God's peace. I had no idea how to access God's peace as a 14-year-old. You have God's peace. You have God's truth. You have God's wisdom. You have God's joy. You represent God. God's coming to your Thanksgiving table. He's sitting in your seat. (laughs) So I would hope and pray that this is our prayer this week. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And as you pray that, my prayer is that we live out the fulfillment of that scripture as God's creation displaying his splendor, as God's words spoken forth into the world. Let's pray. Steve, could you come forward? Steve's going to lead us in a time of ministry after I pray. Father, we thank you for your word given.